Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot, the tennis podcast by fans. I'm Joel. I'm Kim. And today we are rounding up all the action so far from round two at the US Open. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Well, what a turnaround from our last recording episode. We Kim, we were literally recording. Andy Murray was two sets down. It was looking like he was going to go out on a bit of a whimper um, in in the first round. But I mean, since then, it 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 turned completely on its head. I mean, we should. I mean, we should know never to write off Andy Murray. I think that was lesson that was lesson learned for the podcast. But um, he came through in five sets, and really, we need to kind of address that before we even get on to round two because it was such a I mean it was such a Murray-esque performance you know coming back from two sets down I think that was the the 10th time in his career I think that's the most equal with Roger Federer in in terms of how many times someone has done that I mean it was just a it was just a great result that I really wasn't expecting even even in the third set even when he was kind of match point down it just kind of sorry in the fourth set it just didn't look like it was it was going to happen. Yeah, I don't know how he managed to come back from that <laughs> deficit. I mean, he really wasn't himself, you know, in those first two sets. I think when we last recorded and we were kind of like, oh, you know, maybe he's biting off more than he can chew. You know, first singles match back at a slam in, you know, about 20 months. But lo and behold, you know, he, he does it again. He he you know, defies the odds and there's really not many others that could do what he's done. I mean, I mean, there, maybe there are no others. I mean, he's the only guy apart from Bob Bryan that's playing with, you know, a metal hip. And I mean, to do what he did is just amazing. I don't know what state he's going to be in for tonight's match. I, I don't know if the emergency ice bath helped him the other day. Uh, but I mean, fingers crossed, because he's going to have a, a tough job against FAA later on today. But I mean, well, he got through Nishioka. I have no expectations for tonight. So I'm just going to, you know, we have to believe that anything is possible because he's shown us that he's made, been able to do it once. So why not again? I mean, FAA also had a, a pretty tough match. I think he was much was kind of go, pushing four hours, three tie breaks. So I think both players... Uh, both players will be thankful they are literally the last match of the day unfortunately for British fans that means uh, an early an early wake up caller I think around kind of 2am if you want to kind of catch uh, Andy Murray in, in round two action but yeah it will be very interesting to see you know Murray's always kind of talks about the you know almost kind of like the match starts when it 
you know, when it finishes and it's that recovery phase. And that is going to be really critical to see how he gets on against um, Ali Asim because, I mean, at the end of the match, he was saying that his kind of toes were, his big toes were messed up. I think they were kind of bloodied and um, he was really, he was really hoping to get that special exemption for the, uh, for that ice bath on site, which, uh, you know, I think was only, is only allowed at the hotel, but he was, he was really pushing for that exemption, wasn't he? Well, maybe by waving his bloodied toes around, that would be enough to merit a jump in the ice bath. Yeah, it was. He was struggling a bit with that, but obviously, hopefully, it's had enough time to kind of heal. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's going to be either going to bed like now and then waking up, or just staying up all night to kind of sit through it. So, uh, <laughs> British fans, get ready, basically. And uh, you know, if anyone's listening to us. You know, the day after the match, then uh, we apologise for our probably terrible insight <laughs> into what's going to unfold in the middle of the night. Um, I mean, I think he's more than capable of beating him. It just, I think, depends on on his his fitness and how his body's holding up. But I mean, at the end of the match, he didn't seem, apart from the toe, he didn't sort of, you know, seem to be like struggling with anything else. You know, he seemed fairly kind of upbeat you know compared to how he was like pre-operation for example so you know there is reason to be somewhat positive I mean I think you've got to look at it like you know he's probably been in the most painful situation he's already been in with kind of the the hip injury so he knows kind of he's been to those depths before and you know when he is in those in that sort of place on a on a tennis court he can almost kind of grind through it and you know with those you know fighting and battling qualities that we've you know come to you know love and expect from from someone like uh, Andy Murray and um yeah it will be it will be a fascinating contest because Ali Asim is we all know one of the you know hottest prospects on the tour you know pushing kind of I think top 20 at the moment and you know for him he's almost kind of coming in and playing one of his idols you know in in the kind of the pre-match conference he was talked about you know going to the US Open as a teenager and and watching Andy uh beat Lopez to reach the the semi-finals um you know like a, a almost kind of a decade ago so for him to kind of play one of his his idols will be um you know an honor I think he kind of said in his words and I I wonder you know, is he going to be starstruck when he you know, gets on on the tennis court? Because um, you know he is playing a, a legend of the game, and um, you know, just one thing also to add, I think you know, it, I think what was so captivating about that match um, on Ash is the fact that all, all the players were captivated like fans watching yeah. it. Lissipas especially was like, uh, you know, head head in his hands, couldn't, couldn't bear to watch. And um, I just kind of love this dynamic with the fact that obviously I would love to see, you know, a capacity crowd kind of witnessing and, and being inspired from this. But, you know, at the same time, seeing all these players kind of be equally kind of invested in these matches, just, you know, watching from, you know, their, you know, their boxes. It just, it's really, I find it just really fascinating. It's something we've never really seen before. And, you know, just to see them kind of, you know, go through the motions that, that fans go through, um, it really adds an interesting kind of dynamic to this sort of post-COVID, um, you know, tennis spectating. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, they don't have, much else to do really apart from sit in the hotel room so they're probably a lot of the players are making more use of of being on the site and you know the ones that are lucky enough to get their sweets on ash might as well make use of it and I think you know I've seen Dominic team out there quite a lot with his shirt off so I think he's sort of loving it and uh yeah I mean normally you wouldn't see other players watching on really um you know they'd be watching back at 
their accommodation or just you know in the sort of player lounge area so you you wouldn't get to kind of see that so it is quite interesting and um you know there's a good compilation video on on twitter going around uh of all the different players and um i mean joe conta like just a note on her her outfit is quite um cheerleader-esque and i saw one comment um saying oh where are the pom-poms for joe and i i was thinking that she's got like the frills of her skirt it's like looks like a high school cheerleader or something um but yeah i mean andy didn't need any any cheers he did it without a crowd the other day so um i've actually got him losing though tonight in my collector set predictions but that's probably me not wanting to jump the gun with him. So uh, let's let's wait and see what happens. Uh, perhaps we should also, Joel, talk about another British performance, uh, which didn't go so well uh, after the first set anyway. And that was Carl Edmund yesterday. Uh, so it was, you know, the match we were all kind of gripped to um, against Novak. And well, that first set was, you know, very good. Uh, I was very pleased that Carl got it. Uh, but I was also thinking this is probably as good as it's going to get, you know, scraping through a tie break against Novak. And alas, that's kind of, you know, what we saw in the end. Uh, his level dropped uh, as as the match went on and it went away from him pretty easily after that first set. I mean, let's let's be honest, though. I mean, taking a just even taking a tie break off, uh, you know, Novak Djokovic this season, I don't think anyone had done that going into going into flushing meadows so you know for carl to come out and win that first set the way he did it just i think for me it just kind of shows it showed us kind of that on his day he has the tools to trouble anyone in the world whether that's the you know up to kind of the world number one in in novak djokovic the question for him is if he is able to maintain it and i always kind of sense with you know carl edmund's results certainly over the last kind of you know, six to eight months or so. I feel like we always kind of see him be able to kind of put a really good set of tennis together, but always kind of end up losing in, you know, three sets. And um, yeah, I think it's, I think that's almost kind of a, you know, a, fa- a, a thing in a, his game that he needs to work on. And I think that, you know, once kind of players step on court with him, you know, Kyle can have a really fast start and, and potentially and and win that first set. But I think, you know, the best players almost kind of figure out his game and are able to kind of adapt and learn from it. And then it always comes a bit of a, a format, a formality, really. And, you know, I think a lot of kind of, you know, critics of Edmund's game will say, well, actually, he might, it, it looks a bit kind of one dimensional and that can only get you so far. It might win you a set, but is he going to win you, you know, best of five set match against, you know, the world number one? Probably not. Um, so I, I wonder suppose- whether that's... Yeah, I see. I totally get what you're saying. Edmund does need that extra something. Uh, but I feel like coming up against Novak, I suppose that is, you know, the toughest test in tennis right now. So against someone else yesterday, would he have shown more, you know, would it have been a different story? You know, if it had been against, I don't know, Medvedev even, like how how different is is it against? Because we know Carl, you know, has gone deeper at Slam. So we know he's he's got it in him to you know perform consistently um you know round after round but it's just up against the the very top players it's it's I feel like there's a massive gulf still and I don't know what he can do to narrow that down yeah I think I think this is the question that's going to be probably the question you know we ask of him probably for the next you know 12 months or so it's like okay you win the first set what do you do next because I think at the moment you're right. I don't think he has, he has the answer because he always seems to have this sort of 
drop in intensity and that opens the door for his you know his opponent who can then kind of use that as a platform to go on and, and win the match so you know let's kind of let's wait and see I think you know if you said to Kyle that you know he would get to the second round taking a set off Novak Djokovic you know the most informed player at the moment uh favorite for the tournament I think you would have you know he probably would have taken that I know it wasn't obviously I know it's a defeat and he's gone home early but um you know I think given the draw he got I think that was probably the you know the best he he could have hoped for yeah absolutely and you know not to forget that Novak's now on what a 25 match winning streak so um you know this is a insanely you know, supreme human being, a tennis player going on what he's doing right now. And so it's, it is, as you said, the best that Carl probably could have realistically hoped for, uh, barring Novak kind of breaking a leg on court, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I, I remember you saying in our preview pod, you know, Novak could probably win the tournament uh, on one leg. And I kind of feel like that is very much the case still. If if that is the case, I mean, we're talking about he's 25-0 and 0 at the moment. He went on that you know, that crazy run when he went 41 and 0. Do you think we're getting to the point now where we're going to be asking ourselves, maybe in every podcast, do you think he will be able to eclipse 41 and 0? I mean, I'm assuming in order to do that, he's going to have to go potentially go back to back at um, US Open and, Ro- and Roland Garros, maybe. With Rome um, in between, perhaps. Well, as well. with Rome, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I, I mean, maybe it's a, a question for another podcast. But what are your gut gut feelings based on his kind of form in in New York? Do you think he could eclipse that, or do you think do you still think that's like super? That will take a superhuman effort to to achieve. Well, I do think he is superhuman. When I watch him on court, like getting <laughs> literally every ball back, you know, he's an absolute machine. I think I could think he can totally do it. I think maybe perhaps he he might drop a match in Rome, but I think he could, you know, easily win slams back to back. So um, we will have to wait and see. Interestingly, though, in his press conference, you know, he was asked about... Uh, you know, renting the private house that he's in, because I think he's one of the only male players to have a private house. I think Ryonich does as well. But, you know, Novak was saying, oh, you know, we, you know, he doesn't like the hotel that the players are in. And, you know, it's, it's, he said, oh, you know, anyone could choose to have a private house, you know, so it's obviously the best option. But, you know, other players could have done it if they wanted to, sort of thing. And that's not really the, the, you know, the truth, because the cost of renting a private house is not cheap. So you're not really going to find, I don't know, uh, Cam Norrie, for example, splashing out, I don't know what, what what the actual cost would be, but probably first round prize money at least uh, on a private house. So I thought that was a bit, not exactly the most sort of fair thing for Novak to say. So moving on to another Brit uh, who is having the time of his life really at the moment uh, in New York, Cam Norrie into the third round. Um, he took out Schwartzman in the first round and then came up against uh, Coria, Guillermo Coria's younger brother, which I did I didn't actually realise came until I'm literally just looking at the script right now. But um, I mean, he that was a potential. You felt that was a potential banana skin for him. It was more of a question of, you know, did he have the fitness following up a you know a five set five set victory over um, sorry over Schwartzman? But yeah, he was able to kind of he's able to come through it and really kind of the draw the draw is there for him. The draw is there to be taken for him really. Yeah, he's got Davidovich Fakina in the next round, who is, you know, a young up and coming Spaniard. I've I've seen a bit of him. He he's certainly not going to be a, a walk in the park for Cam. I think it will be a bit of a battle. Um I don't think we should underestimate, you know, Davidovich Fakina at all. But compared to who he potentially could have had in the third round, like a seeded player, um, 
I think, you know, certainly winnable, um, certainly gives hope. And yeah, I mean, Cam was, you know, impressive in the fact that he, you know, he won through against Corio in straight sets. He played well. He did enough to get through. You know, he got the win as expected. There were no, you know, hiccups. And there didn't seem to be any, you know, physical after effects from that, you know, epic comeback in, in the first round. So, yeah, really good stuff into the third round of a slam for the first time. Genuinely think he can make fourth round. Uh, haven't looked at the draw, you know, if he did get that far. But I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm pleased for him. I'm really pleased for him. If he does get to the fourth round, he could he could face Alex Verev. And I feel like Alex Verev, it's a good time to be playing Alex Verev at the moment. Um, I mean, I say that he's actually he's actually looked all right. I mean, to be fair, he's actually looked all right, you know, his first kind of two rounds. But, um, you know, I certainly think, you know, Davidic with Fakina and Nori will be sort of licking their lips at that matchup. So I think they will both kind of be going into that thinking that, you know, they could both win it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great time to be Cam Nori at the moment. He's really kind of fulfilling his his potential and, and kind of making, you know, making a case. And, and I think, you know, sometimes, you know, he might have, he might have thought, you know, with all the noise around Andy Murray, the fact that, you know, Dan Evans is is doing great well at the moment as well. Well, this is almost kind of like Cam Norrie to be like, hey, guys, you know, I'm 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 here and I'm doing, you know, I'm doing really well. And um, it's great to see sort of, you know, all this kind of British British noise kind of continue, you know, continuing through into kind of the, you know, the middle rounds of the tournament because we've not really, um, you know, had that too, you know, too often. Sometimes, you know, it might have been just kind of, Andy Murray and that's it but it's kind of great to see Nori and then we're gonna uh not have Evans as well hopefully I mean he's coming up against Mute in his second round later on today uh Joe Conter is on at the moment going into a third set uh we'll come on to Conter in a sec Kim but yeah I mean Dan Evans interestingly um in the build-up to his match against Mute I think Mute is one of the the so-called pair 11 um and he came out and said you know, I don't have a problem basically playing um, a player who potentially um, got um, uh, exposed to someone who uh, got a positive test. But at the same time, uh, it would absolutely be devastating and heartbreaking if I got a positive test as as a result of it. So um, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's it's interesting to hear that that insight. And this is obviously a constantly evolving situation. But you you think that. Or you'd hope anyway that Evans has the the firepower to take out uh, to take out Mute. Fingers crossed. Um, I think he might drop a set. I think Evans will come through in three or four sets. Uh, but yeah, it's great that we have you know not just Andy Murray to talk about or rest our hopes on because um, it's yeah it's 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 great. It's great. You know, appetite for British players right now. And, and talk about Joe Conta. I'm sort of watching her out the corner of my eye, Joel, while we're, while we're doing this, because yeah, she went and dropped the second set on a tie break to Serana Castella. Uh, not a massive surprise, I suppose, because like Castella is one of those players that you can get embroiled into epic three set matches with, you know? So I didn't think this was going to be a, a walk in the park for Joe, um, but she won the first set very comfortably. So I'm, I'm really hoping she doesn't mess this one up and I'm hoping she can, you know, just claw her way through this set. It's early days as, as we're recording this one, but uh, I would be very annoyed. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the right word to say uh, if she lo- went and lost this one, because, you know, she has the potential to go very deep in this tournament. And I mean, you've predicted her to win, so... 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just going to Are you regretting that kidding. now somewhat? <laughs> no, I'm not, not at all. Not at all. I've, mm. I've, got full, I've got full backing of content. But one player that will... One player that will certainly be annoyed with the manner of her defeat. Um, and it's been really kind of the talk um, of the women's draw, I'd say, over the last 24 hours is Kiki Mladenovic, who was 6-1, 5-1 up against Vavara Gracheva, um, 20-year-old, you know, not much experience at a Grand Slam level. I think she was playing, I think this actually was her first main draw. I've exposure. never heard of her. Have you? Have you heard of her? I mean, you've never heard of her, exactly. No, I've never heard of her. I've heard of her now. I've heard of her now. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Madenovic, 6-1, 5-1 up, had four match points and goes on to to, lo- to lose it. I mean, from that position, I mean, that is one of the, I mean, that's a bit of a shocker, isn't it, in terms of... Um, in terms of closing out a match, I mean, I can't think of many. Can't think of many more uh, defeats that have been from a, a greater, like statistically, a greater amount of of games behind. No, that is it is an awful uh, loss from there. You know, I mean, a, a great comeback. Gracheva must be absolutely delighted. Um, I didn't see this match. So I can't really comment on kind of what actually happened. Uh, in terms of Mladenovic's meltdown. But um, I guess what's most interesting is her comments, you know, after the match, because she was obviously not a happy bunny and basically, for all intents and purposes, kind of blamed the the, the bubble within the bubble that she's been put in as a result of her her contact with Benoit Pair, who tested positive for COVID. Uh, she said that she would just like to thank the USTA for the unreal experience. Um she said, I was playing well, but I was feeling on the edge. What they're forcing us to go through is abominable. I want my freedom back. I feel like we are prisoners here. I mean, that's a bit dramatic. You know, if she actually wants to feel like a prisoner, maybe she should go and, I don't know, visit an actual prison. But I don't know. I just, fine, you could be unhappy with the way, you know, the restrictions that have been put on on her. But to blame that for your defeat, like, that's just bad that's just being a sore loser in my in my book. I don't know what you think, Joel, about that. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think no, uh, you know, no tennis player can blame anything other than themselves. I think from you know losing from a you know position like you know six one five one up. I mean, there's I think there's no two ways about it. I think it's interesting, certainly how you know she feels that she's like being treated in the hotel because this is certainly I think the first time we've you know heard a, you know a player come out and kind of give a you know really negative uh you know really negative feedback on you know the hotel i don't know if she's going to go on to like TripAdvisor and give like a w- one star review and say oh i feel like a prisoner here but um <laughs> well to be fair though why was she playing cards with ben Pair? like i thought the idea was that the players i get okay i guess they were not supposed to go off in you know sightsee around Manhattan but I thought the idea was that within the hotel they kind of still stuck to themselves um and playing cards like touching cards and then passing them around I don't know she has to like accept a certain amount of kind of irresponsibility on her behalf as well especially as Benoit Pair um had pulled out ill from a match like the week before in Cincinnati um I don't know would you I, I feel like I, you know, some players like, I don't know, Milos, Ryan are being very, very careful. You know, he came out and said that he's got to think about, you know, vulnerable family members. And he's been like this whole time, like really, really cautious. And 
there are other players who are obviously maybe not applying the same kind of level of uh, kind of detail to everything. And I don't know, it's, it's, it, I feel like she kind of, you know, it's not at all about everyone else. She has to look at her own actions as well and, and what, you know she's done but uh, maybe i'm being harsh i don't know <laughs> uh, yeah i mean I, I if i can make the case i think for madenovic i think you could say arguably you know the fact that you know she has gone into a bubble and i think she's probably got you know expectations of of kind of what that means and maybe that has given her this kind of you know feeling of like you know a cloak of invincibility like you know people wear you know a face mask and it makes them feel you know more confident for example and you know I don't know if you know she you know if any of the kind of players felt you know going into the hotel going into that bubble whether that gave them a sort of confidence almost kind of do what they want because it's like oh it doesn't matter you know I'm in a bubble I'm safe um so I wonder whether that's you know that was kind of the mindset and that's obviously kind of led to this you know led to this situation um but yeah I mean just kind of going back to it uh, you know 6151 that's just that's just a really that's just a really wretched defeat and i think she's just kind of looking to i think ultimately she's just trying to pin something to the loss and and not kind of focusing on her you know performance where actually that's probably you know where she would be looking but um you know i don't think we can take any weight thing away from vavara gracheva because Again, you know, as a 20 year old kind of with very, probably very little experience, that's a, you know, fantastic sort of, um, fantastic achievement. I mean, to come, to come back from such a deficit, never say die attitude. I mean, just show, it just shows you that if you can really apply yourself, no, no, uh, no losing position is, uh, no losing position you cannot win from. And I think, you know, Kracheva, Kracheva has showed that. And, uh, yeah, listeners, that's so. Can you think of any other, any other results um, that have come from really hard, uh, really almost kind of insurmountable kind of positions? Let let us know because uh, I'd be fascinated to know if anyone can do anyone can do that or or, or match that uh, in terms of yeah six one six one five one down. But um, yeah, shocking, isn't it? But um, I mean, I was thinking when Caroline Garcia was six one and I think four two up against Pliskova. That she was going to crumble, as she so often does. Uh, but she managed to get over the finish line, knocked out the number one seed, um, which, you know, on paper, like, not a massive surprise, given Pliskova's kind of lack of a track record in slams. Um, and the fact that Garcia, you know, on her day, she is an amazing player and could beat anyone. Uh, so it's not a massive surprise when you look at it like that. But I don't know, I was just kind of thinking... Garcia needs to do this like she kind of she deserved it she was by far the better player over the whole match Pliskova kind of put a little streak together sort of from halfway through the second set had some set points but I was really pleased that Garcia managed to hold it off and and get through in the tie break and not let it go to three sets because I do think she would have crumbled if it did um but yeah um, I'm pleased for Garcia I think she she, you know, she deserves to go deep in a slam. It's been, I think she's only ever reached like one slam quarterfinal, which is ridiculous for someone of her talent. She she just needs to fulfill the Andy Murray Twitter, she po- does. Twitter she does. prophecy yeah. from a few years ago. Um, a few years ago, I think 2007, of... I think that was. It was Sorry. Many I, was years gen- ago, I, I was being a bit generous. I was being oh, a no, bit Maybe 2011. I don't think it was that far back. But, um, but yes, I mean, Plishkova out, not a surprise, is it really? I mean, did we... Did we actually think she was going to win this tournament? No. Uh, but she really, I don't know what she needs to do to kind of 
get over this kind of slam hurdle that she seems to have because it doesn't look good. Yeah, I think it's it's got to be a men- I feel like it's a mental thing because we've seen how great she is and how you know dominant she can be on you know the tour outside of Grand Slams, but there really is this sort of barrier, isn't there, when it comes to you know putting you know seven matches in a row and she just can't do it. And you know I think the scary the scary thing for Pushkova was she's the number one seed. She had a great draw, you know Barty not there, Halep not there. You know, if this was, it felt like if this was going to happen, it was going to happen in, you know, this tournament. And, uh, you know, I think asking kind of the general, you know, general fans to kind of follow the tour, I just feel like there is absolute zero belief, you know, going, even going into the tournament that Pliskova could, you know, win a Grand Slam. And I think, you know, uh, you know, after this, you know, US Open, I really think, you know, she has hit you know rock, rock bottom and uh, you know uh, we put out on our twitter you know do you see pushkova ever winning a grand slam and it was kind of overwhelmingly um you know no and it's it's hard not to it's hard not to disagree because this was such a good you know this was such a good um you know tournament for her and i don't know if you know uh, you know how her training went over lockdown or whether she was able to get the you know the match practicing that she would have wanted to but um yeah she'll be ruining a, a missed opportunity here yeah the only thing i was kind of thinking about is she might do something of a caroline wozniacki and, and win a slam like right near the end of her career you know in her sort of twilight years um, as kind of a, a bit of an unexpected, somewhat fluke. That's the only thing I could sort of picture. Like she might, you know, just before she goes, get one and then think, oh, I finally, you know, fulfilled my life's work. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those, you know, there are many players who have been... Sorry, Kim. It has left the the top quarter of the women's draw completely, mm, completely open, and it's a real. I mean, it's a real guessing game to figure out who of these players is going to get to get to the semifinals. I mean, you've got what Garcia, Brady. I mean, Jennifer Brady, Brady Angelique Kerber. I, I mean, I think Angelique Kerber's a. I think Kerber's actually a dark horse. I mean, she's had, yeah. she, she didn't almost, she didn't show her cards by, you know, by not playing Cincinnati. And um, we all know her sort of pedigree at a Grand Slam level. And uh, she's looked decent so far, but um, yeah, you feel like, I feel like it's going to come from Garcia, Brady, Kerber. I mean, I think Sasnovich, so. Sasnovich, Martic, yeah Yeah, it's got to be Kerber I think um or yeah I Garcia Brady I think Brady might edge that one uh because I'm sure they've had quite a few matches in the past and I'm pretty sure Brady's beating Garcia quite a lot but um yeah I mean I'm a bit of a Garcia fan I'd love to see her go through but Logic says that it's going to be Angelique Kerber, you know three-time slam champion former champion at this very tournament playing well uh it's looking that way but you know stranger things have happened i mean another former slam champion joel today garbina muguruza she's lost to someone who hasn't played a competitive match in three years svetana peronkova <laughs> um in straight sets what a result that's uh amazing she looked i didn't see all the match but peronkova looked just as focused and like like she'd never sort of had those three years off for maternity leave. Um, 
I'm yeah, what a, what an impressive kind of comeback. <laughs> I know it's it's amazing, and I you know we we briefly touched on Prokova in our in our first catch up, but um, yeah, we need we need to kind of celebrate this because I think this is a fantastic this is a fantastic achievement, and I think she's almost doing what I think a lot of people would have, were almost kind of expecting potentially from, from Kim Kleisters because Peronkova is, you know, a mum as well. And, um, you know, she took time, she took, you know, quite a bit of time actually off the tour to kind of, um, you know, go through that sort of part of her, you know, part of her life. And, you know, she's come back and, and is using her kind of special protected ranking. And, and interestingly, actually, she credits the WTA for, Sort of giving uh, more um, leeway to uh, to to women players who do go, you know, and have a, a child, and um, you know, I think there's credit due there to the WTA for making that change to allow these sorts of things to happen because Pronkova's come back. I think she's using her protected ranking uh, to enter US Open. I think she'll enter it, use it to enter the French Open as well. And um, yeah, she looks she looks really good, and it just shows you that it's like you've. Know, form is temporary class is permanent and she doesn't she doesn't look like she's missed a beat from um you know three years ago and to beat someone like you know Muguruza I think uh she must have been you know she must have been caught cold by this by how well uh by how well Peronkova was playing yeah I mean Peronkova's doing the, the Kleister's comeback that you know I mean the comeback that Kleister's would want I and mean, Kleister's lost in the first round to to Alexandra I think really late on Tuesday so we didn't mention it in our first pod. Um, a bit of a shame, actually, that it was on so late and not kind of given an earlier, you know, television slot for kind of European audiences. But um, yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued to see what Pronk was going to do. Like I, I've always been a fan of hers. I just like the way she plays. She's quite different, and she seems like a really nice uh, person off the court. So yeah, I've got my eye on her. And Kim, just a mini, a little mini quiz for you. Uh, a nice stat I found around. Pronkva and for our listeners as well so going into the US Open uh, women's main draw there were nine mothers in the draw at the start of the event how many how many of those do you think you can name nine mothers uh well Pronkva obviously Serena (laughs) Kleisters Azarenka um oh there's there are some other mothers on the tour but I I'm. I want to say someone. Oh, I don't know, Madison Brengel. I don't know. I'm sure she's not a mother. <laughs> uh, oh, struggling. I don't know. I should know. I feel like I should know. I feel like we've got like yeah. You've said yes, yeah, Serena, Azarenka, Kleisters, Progfer. They're almost like the marquee mums, aren't they? But there are <laughs> other mums on tour, aren't they? And uh, yeah, so uh, Vera Zvonareva, of course. Um, uh, Bondarenko. Oh, of course. Uh, Katerina Bondarenko. Um, Olga Govortseva. Oh, because do you know what? I saw her name and I was like, I'm pretty sure she retired. But she obviously, again, like hasn't been playing for a while because of like mat leave. So ah, that explains it. And uh, yeah. And, and finally, yeah. Patricia Maria Tig. So ah, um, okay. So yeah, so anyway, it's, I mean, it's great. It's great to see. I love, you know, I love seeing it, and and it's always great to see, you know, players who, you know, coming back have no idea what to expect from them. Let alone they probably have no idea what to expect from themselves. To go do well in the tournament, and hey, you know, in this tournament, the fact that 
you know, six of the top 10 women aren't playing, we're going to see these sorts of stories probably happen more frequently. So it's, it's, it's great to see, isn't it? It is good. And they, they do need to be more, you know, uh, open and encouraging, you know, for, for players who want to just take time out to have a family and then and return, make it like feasible for them to do that. Just like in a, you know, in a regular job, um, you know, you get your dedicated time and then be able to come back and be flexible. So I think, yeah, all up for that. Um, let's just touch on kind of the rest of the women's draw. Sophia Kennan came through. Uh, straight sets today against uh, Leila Annie Fernandez. Uh, so she's going to play Ons Yabor next. So I'm pretty sure they played at the AO, didn't they? And Kenin won that one. But uh, yeah, that's, that could go either way. We've got a lot of people in our collector set predictions, Joel, who have picked Yabor including to myself. reach the quarters. Yeah, including <laughs> myself. So yep. we're, I guess we're uh, predicting that Yabor's going to win this match. Um so that's probably the pick of them. But also uh, Petra Kvitova won through. She's playing Jessie Pagula next, who, again, another player I've had my eye on, uh, who's been doing well kind of over the summer. She played quite well at World Team Tennis. So that could be an interesting one. Uh, Angelique Kerber obviously won through, uh, like we said, and Osaka came through very comfortably against against Camilla Georgie last night. I thought that one might be a bit tougher that it was, but uh, yeah, she came through like one and two. So uh, doing nicely there as well. Yes. And let's move on to kind of the men's draw, because I feel like we, yeah, we, we've, we've not had many upsets so far. I feel like in the men's draw, it's been, I feel like there's been more talking points on the, on the women's side, but um, I'm seeing at the moment, you know, Alex Verev went through, yesterday you know Novak Djokovic of course Dominic team is going through kind of serenely at the moment sit the pass also he uh won yesterday so yeah no major upsets really um I quite liked Nakashima who uh Zverev was playing you know he's a really good well he's a very good junior he's kind of just this I think is his first first adult slam uh so he's only 19 and yeah he got a set off Zverev and I thought yeah he was just uh a very good player, one to watch going forwards, um, you know, in the in the near future. So, um, but yes, everything going swimmingly for Dominic team at the moment. Uh, two two sets and three love up as we speak. Um, all Canadian battle there at the moment. Ryanich against uh, um, Pospisil. They're a set all at the moment as we're recording this. So that that could could that go five? Could we be in for a long haul? Or do you think Ryanich is going to deep away with that one? I, I that potentially could go five. I feel like that's got a you know we saw Steve Johnson. I know Steve Johnson lost in his second round match, but Steve Johnson, John Isner, that went to a final set tiebreak. They probably know each other's games very well. I'm sure uh, you know Ranich and Pospisil also know each other's games very well, given they're both Canadians. So that would not surprise me if that goes five, despite kind of Ranich's form at the moment. But Kim, the the one of the matches that did catch my eye in the the singles was now I'm probably going to say this name incorrectly but I'm going to go ahead and try and say it but we had Casper Ruud come through uh today um 643 th- six, and then um Vyori from <laughs> Finland that's uh, a great yeah, attempt I, I love the sort I of mean, Scandinavian twang you put on that one yeah I mean if we have any Scandinavian listeners please let me know please correct me in terms of how we pronounce that um but um yeah rude came through i think uh Rusevori actually retired uh three two down in the third set so i'm not actually sure what happened there but it's a great to see a an all scandy matchup at a grand slam because i don't i can't think 
has that ever happened or hasn't that can't have happened very recently well, can it i'm just trying to think if freddie nilson might have played another scandinavian person oh, in one yeah, of his actually, many singles actually, matches the more i think about it <laughs> the more i think about it actually might have actually i'm thinking Yarko like Niemann. thomas johansson yeah Jockey johansson Jarko neiman and i do love a good Scandinavian. Scandinavian. It's like a Scandinavian <laughs> drama. You can't get enough of them. Um, <laughs> but yes, I mean, your favourite, Santiago Caruso, is two sets to one up in uh, his match against Escobedo. So, you know, bit of Caruso there. Uh, Salvatore Caruso. Salvatore Caruso. Oh, is it not Santiago? Oh, Salva- whoops today. No, he's Italian. Yep, Salvatore oh, Caruso. <laughs> a little... A little actual fact for our listeners, uh, you might, who oh, yeah, listeners been with us from the start might well know this, but me and Kim, we we had a bonding session over a late night Caruso. That a bit weird. <laughs> I know it did. Let me finish. We had a we had a really good uh, we, we had a really good chat we, over. <laughs> yes, there we go. Over Caruso versus Yaziri, round one Australian Open twenty eighteen. I think Caruso. Caruso came through it in, in five sets. There was, I think, we were literally the only people watching it because everyone was watching Dustin Brown behind <laughs> us. But um, ever since then, we have always been a bit excited for any sort of Caruso-related chat. Because as you know, Kim, I WhatsApped you this morning. Um, sorry, I WhatsApped you his first round result when he came through because he's, uh, yeah, I think this is this. He's equaled his best performance at a Grand Slam, so he's one set away of um, he's one set away from uh, yeah doing that outright. You must be very proud. <laughs> well, exactly. Um, but yeah, <laughs> let's wrap up for today, Joel. I mean, as we mentioned earlier, I've got Joe Conta uh, on, and yeah, she's gone into a third set. So who knows? I think she's three two up at the moment. Um, Cassare was a was a breakup. Joe broke back, so this could be an interesting one to say the least. Um, fingers crossed for Joe. We've got Serena coming up later in the night session against Margarita Gasparian. I'm expecting Serena to win that. Actually, she looked fairly decent in her first match against Christy Arn. Uh, she went a breakdown in the second set, but kind of came back and actually got a win. You know, in, in straight sets, which I think will give her a bit of a confidence boost. So. Um, expecting Serena to come through that one. And she's also surpassed Chris Everett for the most singles wins in US Open history. So I assume she will notch another one up on that uh, tonight as well. Yes. And it was interesting to hear actually in a conference after her first round win to say that, I mean, she was kind of saying she was team Djokovic. So it's interesting. It sounds like she at some point will put her weight behind the PTPA, the the association that um, Novak Djokovic has set up that doesn't at the moment have any uh, you know, women on board, but it sounds like Serena Williams is uh, at least willing to, um, uh, to learn more about it. So I'm interested to see, you know, if, if that happens and, and what that means, whether kind of people will look at Serena Williams and, and kind of, how you know what her role is and, and whether they'll follow suit so that was kind of a little bit interesting but um yeah we've got also what Sloane Stevens up uh later after Pospisil Raonic I mean she's playing Gvortseva from uh, Belarus so you know she, you expect her to come through that I mean 
it's Ooh, or is it going to be is it going to be a tournament for the for the returning mothers from maternity leave who knows Sabalenka Azarenka as well Ooh, that is a very yeah. tasty one Gosh. I mean Sabalenka's the fifth Sabalenka's the fifth seed wow um I mean Azarenka goes in as I still think Azarenka goes in as favorite for that but I, you know we know Sabalenka plays hot and cold so I wouldn't be surprised if that goes to to three sets yeah exactly and um yeah, obviously, Andy Murray is the, is the big one. Um, Daniel Medvedev's also uh, in action. So there's still so much tennis to go, Joel. Uh, it's it's mm. crazy. Madison Keys <laughs> haven't even mentioned her. Uh, Karen Hatchinoff won today. You know, there's so much going on. This is why we love Grand Slams. And um, yeah, it's uh, we will be back in, what, two days' time, two, three days' time to kind of catch up on, on the next kind of couple of days of action. Um, and... Yeah, let's hope for more British success between now and then. <laughs> yes, uh, we will be back on Saturday morning, I think, for our next uh, round-by-round catch-up service. I hope you can join us for that. Uh, in the meantime, make sure you click that subscribe button to stay up to date from the passing shot uh, with all the, the latest news at the US Open. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, Literally, wherever you listen to your podcast, we are probably there. So hit that subscribe button. And if you have been enjoying our coverage on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us a rating and comment. And you can follow us, of course, on social media. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Passing Shot Pod. So do drop us a line, ask us any questions, uh, give us your thoughts and feedback. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And you can also drop us an email at PassingShotPod at gmail.com as well. But for the time being, uh, I'm going to get back. Well, we've, I think we're going to get back to the the Conta match and hope hope that Conta kind of kind of comes through. I feel like it's a bit of a dogfight now, so uh, let's see how that prevails. And yeah, let's hope Andy Murray has it in has it in his locker for Oje Aliassim later on. So we'll be back on Saturday morning, and we'll see you then. <laughs> 